Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our first podiversary episode. I cannot believe that we have been creeping with you for a year and with each other. Isn't that crazy? That's nuts. It's gone by incredibly quickly. I feel like we're still on our first episode that wasn't ever technically aired. Yeah. <laughs> the first Texas Killing Fields episode. I feel like we just finished that one. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think what's weird is that, you know, when we started, we like had like these like firm discussions about like, what is success in podcasting? Right. Because like, that's very different to different people. And we were like, so long as we're having fun, we're like looking at creepy stuff and we're having a good time. And we're at about 15,000 downloads later. And it's still really fun. Yeah. And I'm still like really happy of who my podcast co-host is. Yes, me too. And I think that like we've gotten a solid year of weird stuff that I'm happy to know more about. Yeah. And I've learned so much along the way. <laughs> Right? What's the weirdest fact that you've learned this year? Can you think of one? You ready? It's three words. Okay. Project, midnight, climax. (laughs) (laughs) I should have known. You should have (laughs) known. And also, a sarcastic bitch with bangs. Oh, yeah. The fringe head. Yeah. Yeah. I learned a lot about the ocean this year. Also, blue holes still haunts me. Yes. What about you? I think some of the testing years down the road for DNA on cold cases, I've learned a lot about that. Yes. That I probably shouldn't know. It's probably incriminating. What else? Not a basal saurus, that's for sure. Oh, the cone snail. Oh, yeah. The creepy little snail that's like super, super terrifying. That little bitch can kill like 20 men. Yeah. You know, (laughs) don't count small things out. Yeah. Sea monsters. So everything kind of comes back to sea monsters. Doesn't it always? Doesn't it always? <laughs> well, today, what we have been working on for what, like almost a month now? Yeah. Is getting listener stories to celebrate our birthday. And so we wanted to be creeped out. We also have some creepy stories ourselves mm-hmm. and from our family members. And then we have a couple wonderful listeners that sent in their audio and emailed stories. So we're so excited to read them and listen to them with you guys. Yeah, I am pumped. So I wanted to start with like a tiny little story that happened just this month. And so I have a fantastic neighbor. She's lovely. She's an elderly woman. She looks out for me. She brings us food. She's a treasure and a delight. And I love her so much. Ben was visiting a friend out of town and she thought that we weren't home because his car wasn't parked in the driveway. Okay. And so I'm like fresh out of the shower in a towel and trying to get my dog to come inside. And my dog's obsessed with her. She loves her so much because she buys her like, you know, like the nice treats that you get from the self-serve things. Like she gets her those kinds of treats. (laughs) cute and gives her them in excess she's like i bought five treats can she have them they're like massive and i was like one at a time and she was like i will hang the bag on your fence and when i see her i'll give it to her i was like great she'll love that and she does but so moves out there wagging her tail trying to get her attention because she thinks she's gonna get treats and i'm like move come inside like trying to not sound like a monster because i'm like please just come inside i'm like in a towel and my neighbor's like come here come here and i was like i'm in a towel and she's like we'll get dressed and come out and i'm like 
yes, ma'am. You know, like she's like my grandma. Of course. <laughs> yes. Whatever you say. So get dressed, come outside. And she starts like this strange line of questioning. And she's like, so is your husband out of town? Does anyone know you're here? It kind of felt like that. And it was soon. It was actually like the week after we recorded that episode. But so she's asking this line of questioning. And I'm like, if it wasn't you, I'd be very worried. Right. So she's like, is your husband home? And I'm like, no. And she's like, oh, did he park his car at the airport? And I'm like, yeah. And then she's like, did you hear anything in the middle of the night? You're like, who did you murder, ma'am? Yeah, I'm concerned. I'm concerned. I'm like, no. And then she's like, she gets more specific. She's like, is it like around 4 a.m.? Did you hear anything outside? And I'm like, no, I already didn't hear anything. Were you burying something? What were you doing? Well, I'm not even thinking about that. I'm like, what are you worried about? Because she's like clearly concerned about something, right? And But she's just trying to like get there slowly. Okay. And so she's like, well, I don't want to scare you. And I'm like, well, now I'm scared. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I'm scared. So she's like, but around four-ish in the morning, her son lives with her. My son was looking outside and he saw a person in an older car park in your driveway, get out. And one person stayed in the car and one person got out and they started walking towards your front door and they were creeping very slowly towards your front door. She looks at me dead in the eyes and goes, I don't know what they were going to do to you when they got into the house. She was going <laughs> to let her son just sit and watch it unfold. Well, I don't know. But like, it was just that phrase that like my heart dropped. Right. It was like, I don't know what they're going to do to you when they get inside the house. Like it like echoes in my brain. And so I'm like, I have a ring. And like I had actually slept with my phone like next to my head with like do not disturb off with the like sound on. Mm -hmm. So like my ring should have woken me up. And it didn't. So step one, I don't like that. And then step two, my ring should have captured whatever had occurred. But so I'm like, well, let me go look at my phone and check my ring app. And I check it and I see that at four, like 10 in the morning, Amazon dropped off a package and the person looked like they were trying to like walk through my yard quietly as to not <laughs> wake me because it was four in the morning and there was a stranger walking up to my porch. And so you can kind of like see where they look, look over their shoulder and then scamper back to their car because she had said like my son yelled at them. Oh, good. Okay. And I was like, it was Amazon is, is the moral of this story, though. But I don't know what they were in a studio when they got into the house. And I called my mom and I was telling her the story. And like I didn't get to finish. She was like, well, you're sleeping at my house tonight. And I was like, let me finish. Let me finish. And I tell my sister-in-law and she's like, well, you're sleeping at my house tonight. And I was like, let me finish my story. I was just like, that's a strange time to be delivering things. But I am so glad that I live in a neighborhood where we've got eyes at all times. Yeah. Her son even said he was like, I was afraid that they would see me go back into the house and assume that I went back to sleep and then come back. And he's like, so I went and there's two shopping centers right next to where I live. So he drove through the shopping centers to make sure there wasn't anybody like idling, like waiting to come back. Oh, my gosh. That's dedication. That is dedication. And it made me think of Kitty Genovese when he got into his car and waited and then came back. And I was like, he's a good man. I'm going to make sure that nobody hurts anybody in our neighborhood. I've got this like above and beyond on our unofficial neighborhood watch. Yeah, everyone needs that neighbor. Right? All right. So we have our first listener story. And this was emailed to us by Megan. So thank you so much for taking the time to do that. 
Her story is... It's quirky. I was like, okay, this is random. This is going to be tangents on tangents, baby. Do you know how you would murder and dispose of a body? I can't say it out loud. No, but do you know? Like, do you have a plan in your head if necessary? Oh, yeah. Everyone does, don't they? Yeah. So I told my... We were almost like at a fire with my mom the other night and we're like talking. And I went through this detailed plan. I mean, like 75-step plan. And she was like... <laughs> Okay. And she like laughed. And the next day she calls me. She's like, Lindsay, I'm really worried. <laughs> I'm really worried. You know, I went inside and I looked at your dad and I went, I'm worried. And I'm really worried. And I was like, you raised me watching Law and Order SVU in crime shows and watching horror movies with dad. And like my dad was like a horror reader and wrote comics and all the things. And so like you raised me in this and then expect me to not have a plan. But anywho, this is more of a how you would frame someone. And I love it so much. I love this. Yes, she did a good job. (laughs) So from Megan, I gave an ex-boyfriend a heart-shaped box full of little love notes for an anniversary or maybe Valentine's Day. That's not creepy. But what made it creepy is that a few years later, I had a crown fallout and I put it in the box. So it looked like he had a (laughs) heart-shaped box with a human tooth in it. I always joked. That if I went missing and the cops found it, they'd arrest him right away. I wanted to sneak some of my cut off hair in there also, but never got around to it. I need you to know I've known Megan for 22 years. And when this happened, she told me about it. And I was like, good to know. Good to know. (laughs) She's like, can you just say I put my tooth in there? (laughs) Yeah. She told me and I was like, okay. I mean, look. They always say you check like the partner first. So she was just fast tracking that. Yeah, that was hilarious. So thank you again, Megan. I loved that story. And so our next story comes from Kit and she sent us her recording of it. So we're going to play that now. So this is a really short, spooky story. But when I was probably about eight or nine, we used to live in a house that had two bedrooms just next to each other. And my little sister used to come in and get into bed with me all the time in the night. She would have been about two. And I remember waking up one night and I opened my eyes and I looked over to the bedroom door and my sister was standing in the doorway. And I said, come on, just, you know, come and get into bed. It's fine. And then I closed my eyes for what felt like a second and I opened them again and she wasn't there anymore. So I was a bit concerned. So I remember getting up and going into her bedroom and she was fast asleep in her bed. And then I went and got back into my bed and was just thinking about it and was thinking that actually the child was a lot bigger than her. It definitely wasn't my sister. It was like a five or six year old girl in a dress that was stood in the doorway. So I think a ghost, but wasn't scary, really. Just, uh, yeah. That sounds terrifying. I love how she's so cavalier and is like, it wasn't scary. There was just a random child that came into my room. I am scared for you. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, she's braver than us. Yeah. Just a casual (laughs) child haunt. I love her stories. She actually sent us two. So we have one other one. But I even messaged her back and I was like, I love ghost stories. Thank you so much. Yeah. She's a treasure and a delight. Um, So another short spooky story was that I used to work in a day nursery and it was uh, an old Georgian building and it was, you know, completely standalone. It wasn't joined to any other houses. 
and I was the manager at the time and I was there by myself. Everybody had gone home and I thought I would stay and just work late, catch up on some work before going to the gym. And I was sitting in my office on the ground floor and this building had four floors. There was a basement, the ground floor, the first floor, and then an attic where the staff room was, which I guess would have been the servants' quarters originally. And I was sitting on the ground floor in my office working on the computer and I very, very clearly heard on the floor above me footsteps like heavy footsteps walk from one side of the room to the other right above my head and the room above my head. Um, and as I said, I knew I was there by myself. Everybody else had gone home. It was dark. The house wasn't joined. The building wasn't joined to any of the houses on either side. It was completely by itself, not backing on or bordering any other buildings. And they were definitely footsteps. So I uh, very calmly finished what I was doing, uh, you know, saved my Word document or whatever I was working on and shut my computer down, put my things away in my bag, got up. Uh, you know, got my keys out, went, set the alarm, turned all the lights off, went out the front door, calmly walked down the, the ramp, out into the garden, out the gate, onto the road, and then just ran, just ran all the way down the road until the nursery building was out of sight, because I didn't want the ghost to know that I knew that I'd heard it, even though I'm sure it knew that I knew. <laughs> and I didn't ever work there late at night ever again. And uh, lo lots of spooky things happened in that nursery. Lots and lots of spooky things. We would quite often in the mornings, we would be the only staff there. You know, there'd be one or two of us that just opened up and we would hear children running in the rooms and, and giggling, but there would be nobody there. And it would, on multiple occasions, when there was one or two of us there, you know, we'd come out thinking that children would come in early and because we'd heard this and then just find the other person saying like, did you hear the children? And I was like, yeah. And also my sister's probably the best one to speak to because they also worked there, but there were some incidents of things sort of flying off shelves upstairs in the upstairs rooms. Yep. I love that she was worried whether the ghost knew that she knew that the ghost knew that she knew that the ghost knew. You know what I mean? Yes, I love her. It's never occurred to me to be worried that a ghost knows that I know. Oh, no, that is something that goes through my head. Really? Yeah. Like if they know that, you know, they're there, then maybe they're going to like come to you. But if they don't know that, you know, that they know. Yeah. <laughs> then they might just go about their business. Totally makes sense. No, it's a very valid concern. It's a very valid concern. It's just not something that I had worried about previously. I've lived in haunted houses. Marge, for example, Marge knows that I know. First off, she's an avid listener of True Creeps podcast. She was like, I needed to close down my document, pack up when I'd be like, all right, you want my Word document? You want my stuff? You want my water bottle? Like, good, take it. Mm -hmm. And I would have left. She's just so brave. I'm going to pack up my things and casually leave. No, no, no. I didn't hear you. I'd be like, oh, I have to be somewhere that involves nothing I own other than my keys. <laughs> exactly. I didn't know. I'm just going to my car. Like, I always go to my car for something I forgot. Very quickly. Yeah. So thank you so much, Kit, for making the recordings. We absolutely loved them. Yes. And I could listen to her talk all day. Oh, yeah. So our next stories come from Jessica. So thank you very much. We're going to get right into them. So the first she titled Grandma's House. My grandma, my mom and I were hanging out at my grandparents' house one afternoon when I was 13 or so. We were downstairs all the way in the back of the house in a bonus room my grandfather had added on a year or so prior. Out of nowhere, we heard running water. So we got up to check on where it was coming from. Eventually, we found that the sink in the second floor bathroom at the front of the house was running at full blast, hot and cold. Very bizarre. Yeah. 
I feel like I would be like, there's flooding. Also, if I heard water when there should be no water, I would just assume like a pipe burst and would be like on high alert. But so she continues, there was just no way any of us accidentally left the water running like that. And the sink was relatively new. That bathroom having had been remodeled around the same time the addition was built. We were all a little spooked. And the rest of the afternoon, my mom and grandma told me all sorts of other creepy things they experienced in the house. Their dogs would bark at nothing. There's creaking footsteps coming from the attic. And the scariest of all was an ashtray splitting in two pieces right before my mom and my aunt's eyes. While I never had another weird experience, the information always made me feel a little bit better about the fact that I've always just felt creeped out about the house. Or at least I felt like I was a little less paranoid. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you just get like a weird vibe from a house Mm -hmm. and to know like, oh, this justifies everything. Absolutely. Yeah. And you should always have a dog, right? Like the dog lets you know what's up. Always. Perfect example. Speaking of creepy houses, I don't know if I've told you, but real quick, we're allowed to do tangents all day. This is our birthday episode and we'll tangent if we want to. We do what we want. Yeah. So when we were looking at houses, we looked at like, I don't know, 20, 30 houses. Like it was so many houses back to back to back. And our realtor was just like taking us around and this house checked off every box, right? Had everything we wanted, big backyard, just everything. And uh, we walked up to it and we go in and I instantly was like, no, I don't even need to see any more. And she's like, what are you talking about? And I was like, I can't do it. This house is weird. And she's like, this literally is every box. As a realtor, of course, she's just like, what the hell? Get over the ghost, sweetie. It's got a walk-in. I don't want this house. (laughs) Nothing is going to make me want this house. It was so cute, too. But I only made it to the living room. And then I was like, okay, we're good. And we left and we never went back. And I called it the murder house every time she tried to refer to it again. Did it feel spooky or sinister? I'd say more sinister. It was like, it felt really sad and I don't know, just creepy and horrible. And I hated the feeling when I walked in. And so we didn't buy it, but it it would have been like in a perfect area. I wish it wasn't Murder House, but it was. And we couldn't have it. Yeah. This is also completely unrelated. But as I'm looking at Amanda's beautiful face, I feel compelled to tell you that we're both wearing tiaras right now. Our birthday tiaras. Yeah, because Amanda got them for us. I have a green one with beautiful little gems in it. Her anniversary gifts are coming this week. And I'll need you to post them when they come in because they're all very specific. Oh, no. True creeps references or like things we've mentioned. So I'm very excited about them. Some of them like Facebook was like, you need this. And I was like, not I. You're right, Facebook. Thank you for listening to everything I say. Facebook also is a true creeps. <laughs> everything does. Which <laughs> interesting note. You can now listen to podcasts on Facebook. Isn't that weird? You could listen to true creeps on there, but I added it to it. But I was like, this is an interesting thing that I don't know if I'll ever personally use. Well, like while you're scrolling, listening to something makes sense. I guess. But you know what I hate? I hate sound coming from a browser tab that's not a video that I'm actively watching. You know, like when like sound comes on, you're like, which one? of You don't know this listener, but a minute and I keep a minimum of 30 tabs open at any given point. So I'm like scrolling <laughs> through and I'm like, which one of you little fuckers has an ad that won't turn off? Because I'm like rocking out to my music and like researching. And it's like, do you want fluff off of This is a medication type. Yeah. And it's just like giving me an advertisement. And I'm like angrily like clicking each tab, trying to figure out where the sound comes from. Well, 
I love in the middle of the night when I'm researching some horrible murder or like something that's just I'm on edge and I'm like, and then how'd they catch him? And I'm like, you know, do my notes, have my 35 tabs open. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, some anchor from like 20 tabs ago <laughs> starts talking and screaming in my ear and I jump and my heart stops for a moment. I've had that too. Just know that I go through that at least once a week. Yeah. I also <laughs> sometimes, it's, it's not a problem now because I used to have my office space and and also like where I would record upstairs in the room next to our bedroom. And every once in a while, I would be like, and I'm out. And I just walk away from my computer. I wouldn't lock it, wouldn't turn my volume down. So that would happen. It would just turn on. <laughs> but in the middle of the night. Anywho. All right. Well, Jessica actually sent us two. And I've heard this one before, actually. She's told me this one. And where she lived just sounds crazy scary. And she is also braver than I am. So... From Jessica again. After college, I lived with two friends in an apartment where certain was haunted. The apartment is in what once was a huge single family home built in the early 1900s. There's your first problem there. Remember, every ghost is from the early 1900s, 1800s. Have you seen the meme where we're waiting for millennial ghosts to be like, it's Britney, bitch? Yeah, that's exactly what I thought of. Yeah. (laughs) So, During the year we lived there, we experienced some weird things such as randomly slamming doors, scratches that appeared without explanation on the backs of our hands, and visiting dogs would bark and growl at nothing. Again, everyone needs a dog. But in general, we never felt threatened or scared. Mostly, we joked about our ghosts. I'd feel a little threatened if they were scratching my hand, though. The most vivid experience I had happened one night when I fell asleep in the living room. I woke up in the middle of the night to see someone sitting in front of the TV in an Adirondack chair. She was a black woman wearing a red bandana, and she turned to me and said, Do you mind if I watch VH1 Soul? Not at all. Put it on. It was already on. So I just nodded and turned over and went back to sleep. I could have just been dreaming, but given the other experiences and the feeling my encounter was so real, I'll always believe I met a polite ghost who just wanted to watch some TV that night. Could you imagine being a ghost and you're of a time where you understand what TV is and all you can watch is what somebody else wants to watch? It sounds terrible. Sounds awful. I like how polite they were. Yeah. Well, it sounds like maybe that was the nice ghost. Maybe there was more ghosts because it seems like one wasn't so kind and then this one was just nice and polite. But she had a couple. I want to say there was more stories she's told me about. So she has some good creepy ones. So thank you, Jessica, for sending those. Yes. Thank you so much. Also, Amanda and I plan on creeping for a bit. So we're going to have a birthday next year. So if you think of a creepy story between now and whatever time period we give you at a future date, send us your creepy stories. If you're listening to an episode and you're like, oh, my God, that makes me think of ba-da-da-da-da-da. We want that ba-da-da-da-da-da. Go ahead and send it to us. Yeah. And if we get enough of them, we'll do them more frequently. Yeah. Love them. I want creepy, weird, unsettling. So this next one comes from my mom. And she's been telling me this story for years So I love it. There's no way I wasn't going to end up a spooky adult when you tell like stories like this, you know. (laughs) But so this is Susan's story. It was a summer when I was about nine or ten and it happened a week or so after the incident on Dixie Hill. But that's another story. At that time, people didn't really have central air conditioning or even air conditioning. So we left the windows open. I woke up because I was thirsty and my mom always put a pitcher of ice water in the room with us. I got up to get a glass of water when I heard a funny noise coming from outside and it was a cat. I could hear it meow. Then I heard an older voice say, climb higher. Then a few seconds later, another meow and again, climb higher. So I went to the window and on my front porch was the witch from Dixie Hill. 
We called her the witch because she was somewhere between 80 and 90 years old, and she would walk down the alley behind the houses with a big stick. When the dogs of the neighborhood would begin to bark and howl as she walked past, she would lift her stick and suddenly they were quiet. I need one of those sticks for when I train. I know, right? If you had that magical ability, you would be beloved. So this verified to all the kids in the neighborhood what we already knew. She was a witch and we were convinced. But anyway, I was at the window and on my porch, I saw the witch. I could see the cat climbing up the side of the wall in my house and hear her say again, climb higher. I screamed and called for my mother and had her come look and see the cat and the witch. My mother came in and tried to soothe me by saying it must have been a dream because she looked outside and she saw nothing. But I pointed to the glass of water that I had poured, obviously while I was still awake, and I had never slept walk before or since. My parents even went downstairs to check and convinced me to go back to sleep. The next morning when we woke up, there were scratch marks on the window screen that were not there before, and they were clearly from a cat. To this day, I think the witch was there with her cat, giving me a warning so that I kept my mouth shut about what had happened at Dixie Hill. I was the only one in our group who experienced something like this from the witch, but then again, I was the oldest of my siblings and our friends who were there at the incident. The area behind our house was a big field, then there was a creek, then another field, and then a big hill with a big tall house, and that's where the witch lived. Back then, you played outside in the fields and the woods. You just played outside. Parents weren't worried about their children getting snatched, but whenever we played on Dixie Hill, the witch would come outside and yell at us. So I'm sure you're wondering what happened at Dixie Hill. It was just starting to get dark and you could feel a storm brewing, thunder rumbling in the distance and the wind starting to pick up. Five of us, two of my siblings, plus two neighbors and myself, were standing outside and chatting. The thunder clapped and we looked in the direction of the crash, which was on top of the hill, Dixie Hill. We all saw a beautiful white horse that we had never seen in the area before. Then, before our very eyes, we saw its great wings and it took off into the sky. At this time, I didn't really know what the name of that creature would be. I just knew what I had seen. Later, I would realize it was a pegasus. We ran and told our parents, who said, it's just lightning, but lightning isn't in the shape of a horse. We snuck up there later and we never saw the horse ever again. We told all of our friends what we had seen, what kid wouldn't. Even as I'm telling you this, I'm getting chills. The Pegasus never scared me. It was the cat and the old lady that scared me. I took her warning to heart, though, and told my siblings and friends, too, to stop talking about the Pegasus. Again, I was just a kid when I saw this, even still, had been very confident at what I had seen. But nearly four decades later, I finally felt safe enough to talk about it, and I told my kids. I once told a group of Girl Scouts the story at a campfire, and the second I finished the story, a black cat came sauntering out of the woods. But now I was an adult and not very scared of this warning to stop talking, so I kept going. Years later, at a family reunion, I would find that my brother, Mike, who had been there with me, had told his children the story too, because I had started talking about the Pegasus, and his daughter looked at me and goes, oh, the Pegasus? I know about that. So it had taken us so many years to talk about it, but it was reassuring to know that the same memory of what had happened at Dixie Hill was with him. There was a Pegasus at the old witch's house. The end. That's crazy. (laughs) I love that story. Right? That should be like a cute little children's movie. Yeah, I could imagine. Like, can't you? You could see like a nine-year-old being like, there's a cat coming up the side of this building. So good. Yeah, I think that definitely she should be in the works with some children's movie studio. Mm -hmm. Children's book, perhaps something. Both. Love it. I love all of these ideas. Yeah. Well, thank you, Susan, for your story. I loved it. So as an anniversary gift... 
Amanda got me this beautiful tiara and a stunning Mothman mug. As always, there'll be pictures on our Insta. But mine were coming later. Two of the three are there right now. So we get a live reaction of these guys from Amanda. And it's like a little bit of a quiz, too. Okay. It's a witch's brew bath bomb. Yes. So it will be red that you get to bathe in. Yeah? Like Elizabeth Bathory? Yes. <laughs> Maybe it was just a bath bomb all along. All along, just a bath bomb. <laughs> and it's, oh, it's so cute. It's like a little cauldron. Mm-hmm. And the cauldron online looked like, like it was like a plastic thing. Yeah, it is. That was like a keepable. It's so cute. I love it. It smells really good, too. Oh, good. Good. That must be it. We didn't even talk about it in our bathory episode, but maybe someone just made her some really cool bath bombs. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She's opening the second thing now. This is like a deep cut that, ooh, yeah. Do I even remember? I think you will. It was funny enough at the time that we talked about it. <laughs> She's, yeah, she knows. <laughs> on to chair. No, it's a tiny rocking chair for you to take on any house hunting you do in the future. Oh, I can't see that it's a rocking chair. All I saw was a chair. Hold on. Oh, whip that bad boy out. Your ghost detector is in, in the house now. Yeah. This is how you can tell if a ghost is in your house, is you have your rocking chair in whatever room you feel is haunted. You put a rocking chair in it, and when it starts rocking on its own, it means there's a ghost in there. Yeah. That is... Science. My patented technology. Yeah, ghost science. Ghost science. It is absolutely ghost science. So whenever I go ghost hunting now, I will be bringing this bad boy along and sitting it in the room. I absolutely love it. It is perfect. Also, we need to have a show that says ghost science with a rocking chair. Oh my gosh, yes. Making a note. (laughs) Ghost science. Ghost science. rocking chair it is it is my technology the other gift that you're gonna get you're gonna be the most excited about okay it's about something that you love very much and you feel very strongly about loving them is it a puppy i just got one it's oh my god could you imagine here's a casual puppy no if you buy puppies (laughs) for someone as a gift you're a bad person don't hoist that responsibility on someone unless someone is asking for a puppy no i'm saying surprise puppy yeah, surprise puppies. No one asked for this puppy, yet here it is. Puppies end up at the pound. Yeah, and that makes us sad. And then I have to train them, so a rescue will take them. Be good dog parents, or cat parents, or turtle parents, or bird parents. Yeah, I love this rocking chair so much. <laughs> it's going to sit <laughs> on my desk. Part of me wanted to send you like a whole ass rocking chair, and I was like, that's aggressive. <laughs> that's aggressive. Like that's a like a whole piece of furniture feels like a bit much. You got me a tiara. I bought you a rocking chair. <laughs> And a mug. Do you like Cindy Lauper? Who doesn't like Cindy Lauper? She sings a song called Rocking Chair. I'm not kidding. And it's about a rocking chair. She's like, oh, rocking chair. Like, it's about a rocking chair. It's amazing. Then the 10 would recommend. You also need to eventually post your canvas. Oh my God, yes. Actually, for our birthday. Yes, I will. Because for my personal birthday, Amanda gave me a beautiful True Creeps canvas that I haven't taken a photo of, but I have on my like craft area so I can stare at it lovingly, but I will post it. That's our established date. It does have our established date. And it doesn't, in fact, say Halloween party. Even though, aren't we kind of a Halloween party just all year round, baby? And I make that joke because Amanda went back and forth with this company trying to get them to make the right thing. And at one point, they just took our logo off and put Halloween party on there. They were like, something spooky. Is that what you want? After I sent them the logo four times. Yeah. A mere four times. (laughs) All right. So should we get back to our celebration? Yes, we can. And I'm excited about our next one. Yeah. Because she's going to teach us a few things. 
So Nora sent us a couple recordings. And also she has given me several stories that we've already used throughout this last year. Mm -hmm. And so I've given her credit each time. But when you're listening and I talk about Nora, now you can put a voice to the name. Yeah. Hi, True Creep fans. This is Nora coming to you from Surprise, Arizona. And I wanted to share with you guys the story of El Cucuy. We thought it'd be appropriate since Hispanic Heritage Month is about to start. So the story of El Cucuy is, I guess, the Mexican version of the boogeyman. There's no face attached to him, really. He's just kind of like a big, tall, manly figure, I guess. But the tale goes that if children misbehave or if they're being bad to their parents or if they've done something really bad, then El Cucuy will come and get them or come and steal them. So when I was little, I was terrified of this man. And I wasn't a bad kid. It's not like I ever did anything that was really bad that would, you know, warrant him coming for me. But now that I think about it, I feel like maybe it was from somebody who started a long time ago that just wanted to scare their kids. But he's supposed to be very tall, not like slender man tall, but he's supposed to be very tall, kind of like Hagrid, if I were to picture how big he would be, if there's any Harry Potter fans out there. Um, So he's very tall and very broad shoulders. And what makes him especially scary is that he comes and he takes the kids at night from their bed. So you can go to sleep and everything is fine. And then the Kukui will come and take you from your bed if you've done something especially bad. And then you never see your family again. And he takes you into whatever underworld world he lives in. And that is the end of you. So I've recently thought about this because I have two boys. I'm a mom of two boys, a five-year-old and a three-year-old. And lately, when they've been bad or if something scary happens, I kind of just like plant the seed. And and I tell them, ooh, el cucuy. Like if they hear something or if they like get freaked out about something, I'll be like, that's el cucuy watching, making sure you're being good. And so that usually sets them straight. So I don't know how much trauma I'm going to give them for just saying things like that to them. But they get very scared. And after that, they start listening. So thanks, El Cucuy, for making sure that my kids are always listening. And while we're in the tales from Mexico, there's also a tale of La Mano Pachona. And I remember this one a lot because my grandpa, every time my grandpa would come home from Mexico, the grandkids would sit around him and ask him to tell us scary stories. So it was always one of El Cucuy. And then there was always the other one of La Mano Pachona. And it's basically if I had to draw it out for you, it looks like the hand from the Adams family, except it's supposed to be a lot hairier, but I never pictured it that way. But anyways, this hand will come and pull your legs at night, come and pull your feet if you've done something bad or if you're misbehaving or like my grandpa would say, like if you would stay out too late um, and you came home at indecent hours, whatever that may be. And if you went to sleep, that the manapachana would come and pull your legs or it would knock on your window and it would do kind of like a stop sign motion, which in Mexico, it kind of means like you're going to get it. So the hand would just be like there at the window and it would be like in a floating stop sign motion telling you that you're going to get it and that it's going to come for you. So there's plenty where those came from. I know that they mentioned La Llorona before. So all of those are tells that I grew up listening to and being afraid of. So I thought I'd share them with you. Thanks, guys. Well, first off, we need to go to that last one with the hand. Uh, I don't like that at all. You don't want this like creepy little hand crawling all over you? No. Pulling your legs? No. I absolutely, well, no, because I mean, like, don't we all cover our tootsies so that something doesn't get our toes in the night? That's why we do it. Yeah, I didn't even know. 
that there was a legend about it happening somewhere. Yeah. She has the best stories. So she has the creepy stories from Mexico, which I've shared in previous episodes. And then I was telling her we were doing another hint, hint, urban legend episode coming up. And she was like, I have great ones from Mexico. So I actually had asked her about the El Cucuy before. Please tell me about it. And then she's like, oh, I'll just record it. So terrifying. And it's a great tool to scare your children. (laughs) As you should. Think of Christmas, right? So thank you, Nora, for giving us some creepy recordings. Yeah, I 10 to 10 loved it. And a new thing to be afraid of. I'm always looking for this. So the next is from Jamie. Again, another treasure and delight. Are you noticing a theme that everyone who submits stories is there for a treasure and delight to me? Normally they're a treasure <laughs> and delight before that. But anywho, this is Jamie's story. So when I was a teenager, I had a much younger half sister named Corey who had a Teddy Ruxpin. When I read the first line, I was like, and I'm hooked. Already. Yeah. Which was very popular at the time. For those that don't know, Teddy Rexman was a teddy bear with a cassette player in his belly. Teddy Rexman could move his arms and mouth to the story playing from the cassette. So think like a live action TikTok before that was a thing. (laughs) I hate myself. My half-sister loved that thing. One night, she was supposed to be asleep, but she was up talking to Teddy. My dad went in there after hearing Teddy's voice and asked what she was doing. And she said, talking with Teddy. You liked my high voice there? Yeah, it was great. My dad was about to scold her when he saw and heard Teddy talking and moving. Only Teddy didn't have a cassette tape in his belly and he wasn't turned on to play a cassette. My dad immediately grabbed Teddy, who was now screaming, ouch, give me back. My dad took Teddy out to the garage and put him in a five gallon paint bucket, drowning him. (laughs) 10 out of 10. (laughs) He drowned. 10 out of fucking 10. Dad took the bucket to the back of his truck and drove Teddy out to the desert where he threw the paint bucket out of the truck in the deserted area. When my dad came back, my half-sister was in tears. She wanted her Teddy back. Soon after, my half-sister was down for a nap. There was talking from her room, and my stepmother yelled across the house, Corey, go to sleep. The talking stopped. My stepmother then saw a dark-haired kid walk by the kitchen. Corey, she said, go back to your room and sleep. And the figure walked back to Corey's room, except Corey wasn't tall enough to be seen over the top of the counter. My stepmom realized this after a few minutes and went to check on Corey, and she was sleeping. When my stepmom checked the whole house, she didn't find anyone. When Corey got up from her nap, my stepmother asked who she had been talking to, and she said, Teddy. When Corey described Teddy, it was the same description of the dark-haired kid my stepmother had seen from the kitchen. After that, I refused to spend the night at my dad's house. Too spooky for me. Oh my gosh. Whew, I got chills. Chills. Everything comes from Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah, I mean, I want to know what they were talking about. Oh man. Just everything about Teddy. Did you have one? I had one. My husband had one. You didn't have one? Not that I remember. Already creepy. Playing a cassette, talking, chatting away. But now, I've already talked about it, but now that they've redone Teddy, they've made him even scarier. Right. And he literally has dead eyes. Oh, he does have dead eyes. He has dead eyes. I also think that they did that a little bit on purpose. (laughs) To scare us. It's like $70 or some insane amount. And I picked it up and I was like, whose home do we want to curse with this? Like, it certainly (laughs) felt like, I think I may have given one to someone because I was like, this is weird. Yeah, my son got one for Christmas a few years ago and it comes with a little sleep mask to hide its dead eyes. But, you know, for a child, that mask is gone 20 seconds after opening it. 
So then you just have dead-eyed Teddy in their room. Can you imagine? Okay. Some like executive walking into a room and he's like, okay, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for coming to our focus group today. We're bringing back Teddy Ruxpin. We would like your honest opinions for this and for your time. We will compensate you with $50. Please watch this ad of Teddy Ruxpin. And then they watch the ad of Teddy Ruxpin and then they pass like a prototype around the room and all the parents are like, this bitch has dead eyes. So it goes back, and the, but they've already made like, I don't know, 10,000 units of Teddy Ruxpin. And someone's like, you know what? We'll give it a sleep mask. Bam, bam, <laughs> bam. Don't, don't even send it back to test groups. We're done. Done. That's how that had to have happened, right? Like, Absolutely. If you knew it had dead eyes from the beginning, you would change the eyes. You wouldn't be like, little sleepy mask, little night mask. <laughs> it's so horrible. But yeah, of course, whatever ghost child was in the house was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to possess Teddy Ruxpin. Because what else? Like, what else is better to possess than a Teddy Ruxpin? Well, the fact that it already moves its mouth Mm -hmm. means, like... It's meant to be possessed. I feel like it makes the most sense. Do you know what I don't like? It's, like, 3% related to this. Dolls that go to the bathroom. Yeah. Dolls that go to the bathroom. I never understood that, ever. Why? I also, like, as a child, I was like, I'm a child. I don't want a baby. What am I supposed to do with a baby? I'm seven. Do you remember the doll that you had to feed, like, little carrot stick things that look like carrots or whatever? And then it peed and pooped? No, I don't know. It would just, like, fall into its backpack, I want to say. You'd feed it, and then it would chomp it, and it then it would go down into its backpack. I remember those carrots. My sister got her hair stuck in it. Oh! <gasps> <gasps> She deserved it. I remember sometime in like the late 90s, like Dateline started really getting into scaring parents. They were like, we need consumers to be aware. So like I was like 10 and my dad was like, you can't sit in the front seat anymore. My mom's like, you'll be decapitated by an airbag. And I was like, "Okay, Yeah. Then later on, there was like a little girl whose hair got stuck in a jacuzzi jet. Hence where this story is coming from. My mom was like, never a jacuzzi. I was like, what am I doing with my hair near a jacuzzi jet? Like I imagine the little kid was like swimming around. But I was like, oh, God. Anyway, listener stories and tangents is the name of the game. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jamie, for that story. We've said it before. We'll say it again. If you have a Teddy Ruxpin, beware. Yeah. Because they're looking for it. They are. Every time I go to a secondhand store, every time now, because I love to find creepy antiques, there's always a Teddy just staring at me. And I'm like, is that the one? Is that the one that we talked about? Secondhand stuffed animals make me nervous. But it's also because I grew up reading The Velveteen Rabbit. So I'm like, they're germ carriers. Well, I did find in our creepy doll episode, our cover art, I found that cool antique doll carriage at one of them. And it was fantastic. There will not be a creepy doll in it. I think I put a Furby in it at one point. But the way that I brought that home is I I convinced my husband it would be a cat bed. Is it? The cat's never even gone near it. No. (laughs) Okay. So next one actually is a story from my mom. And this is short and sweet. But it's really creepy. And I remember a little bit of being there for this, but I was pretty young. But when we moved to Arizona from California, we lived in a house in Mesa. And I just remember the house being really weird, just 
kind of overall creepy. And my mom went to work. Me, my sister, and my grandma were home, and my grandma was watching us. Well, my grandma called my mom at work, which was not terribly far away, freaking out, saying someone is in our garage. And instead of, you know, calling the police like normal humans, my mom was like, I'll be home in a minute and came home very quickly. She decided, again, instead of calling the police, that she would grab a bat and she stood at the garage door, the inside door from the house to the garage, and she could hear boxes being thrown. So it sounded like someone was going through boxes, probably just trying to find valuables. And so then she was like, okay, she told her mom, open the door. I'm going to hold the bat so that we can surprise whoever's in there. Well, they open the door and all of a sudden it goes quiet and nothing is moved. Nothing's out of place. Nothing is happening. Do not like. Do not like. But everyone in the house heard it. So I remember the commotion, right? Like I remember that and I remember my grandma being really freaked out, but nothing was moved. So they have no idea why the garage was making scary sounds. No idea what could have happened because there's no way that if someone was in there, they could have left in that second. Yeah. But overall, that house was very creepy. And then I'll just quickly say it. We moved and we moved into a house to Tempe a year later. We did not like that house for some reason. So we moved to Tempe. And I remember this one more because when I would lay in my bed, we had kind of like, I think they were twin beds kind of near each other for me and my sister in the room. Mm Mm-hmm. And I'd be looking up and it was one of those older houses that had, I don't know if they have them where you are, Lindsay, but they had like the square vent in the ceiling and you could kind of see through it, but not quite like because of course, like your attic is normally dark, so you're not really going to see much. It sounds vaguely familiar. Well, when I'd go to sleep, sometimes I would see a light up through the vent and I would just think like, oh, there's light up there. But then sometimes I'd hear someone walking. And so I remember my mom coming in a couple of times and I'm like, what is with that light up there? Like, who's walking up there? Yeah. And she's like, what are you talking about? No. And she'd look up. Nothing would be on. She'd leave. And then in the middle of the night, I'd wake up and it would be on again. Oh, I don't like that. Well, finally, I don't know how long it took, but finally one night she came in to check on us, I guess. And we were asleep and she heard someone walking up there, too. And she finally looked up and saw that there was a light on up there. So my stepdad, I remember the conversation between them. She's like, you need to go up there and see what is going on up there goes up there. There is no light bulb in the little light thing in the attic. It was like more of a storage space. It wasn't like a full-blown attic. Uh No light bulbs up there. Nothing's up there. Not disturbed. No footprints. No nothing. But she finally heard what I had been hearing all along. Haunting. And saw, I guess, technically the light. Yeah, through the vent. So it wasn't like a bright light. It was through a vent. But it was terrifying. That house now, actually, when we, we've driven past it a couple times throughout the years, no one lives in it and it is boarded up. Hmm. Yeah. Interestingly, so the house that I grew up in, and I've talked about stories before, but very haunted. And we lived there till I was about 14. They tore it down after we left. Oh, yeah. You've said that. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it was like there's parts of it that were in disrepair, but the house was just like very, very bizarrely laid out, which I didn't really realize till like I was hanging out with my brother and his wife and my husband. And he was like, do you ever realize like how weird the house that we grew up in was? And I was like, no. And then we both tried to sketch the layout of the house by memory. And we were like, yeah. And then there was like this alcove in the wall where my dad did like a Christmas village. But like, why was there an alcove in the wall? Like, it didn't make any sense. And like the dining room had black and red, like kind of camo carpet. It was a bizarre place. <laughs> a very bizarre place. So the next story is actually my dad's. And he came over and recorded it. So this is him telling his story. September. 1966. A few of my friends, all of us in our early teens, 
were in a clubhouse my grandfather had constructed for us outside a large open field. We were in there reading comics and doing kids stuff. When we saw a bright light, we walked outside to investigate, looked up and saw a saucer in the sky. The lights were revolving around the perimeter of it. We were kind of amazed. Uh, and then it sort of sped off towards what is now the 695 Beltway and landed. We didn't follow. We went back inside, couldn't believe what we'd seen. Shortly thereafter, we noticed somebody or something standing in the field across from us about 30 feet away. It looked to be about eight feet tall, two arms, two legs, head, normal. We just kind of stood outside staring at it. And then a bright light erupted from its chest and lit up all of us. We just stared at it for a minute or two and then uh, it disappeared. We didn't know where it went. Not long after that, we saw the saucer again, but streaked by in the other direction, the same direction it had come, just gone. None of us ever understood what we'd seen. A lot of nope there. That sounds horrifying, doesn't it? That is a horrifying tale. My dad told me that when I was little. So what's interesting now is that my parents built a house on that field across the field from where a flying saucer was. Has he seen it again ever? No, he he hasn't. And I asked if any of them had that he was aware of it. I was like, well, what happened when you went inside? He was like, we were all like, what the fuck? <laughs> we were terrified. Did it know that they were there? I don't know. And there's a story we're going to tell you guys, I don't know, at some point about a man who has an interaction with aliens and those aliens have lasers that shoot out of their chest. I immediately like went to our notes and was like, did this happen? Did this happen? Did this happen? Did this happen? He was like, no, none of that. <laughs> it was very still. And I was like, oh, okay. But terrifying. Yeah. But thanks, dad. <laughs> yeah. I love that we've had ghosts and just creepy happenings. We've had aliens now. And then our last one has a little bit of true crime. This next one, the first time I heard it, I was like, <gasps> like the gasping that occurred was so <laughs> very, very real. So our next one comes from Johnny Ironsights. And if you haven't heard of him before, go check out his social media because he's a musician and you have to check out his music. Yeah. His story is one that really did creep me out. Yeah. Legitimately creeped me out. Yeah. The first time I heard it, I was listening to it on my phone from our email and I was just like, oh my God. Hello, True Creeps. This is Johnny Ironsights coming to you from Phoenix, Arizona. And here's my creepy story from the late 1990s when I was in high school in Southern California. So my parents and I began receiving these collect phone calls from an inmate in Huntsville, Texas. Now, we didn't know anybody in Texas, didn't know anyone in prison, so we just kept rejecting them. But the calls just kept coming. So some time passed, and then my parents handed me a letter, and it was addressed to me, and it was from Huntsville, Texas, from a penitentiary. And the name on it was Rex Warren Mays. I didn't know who this guy was, but my dad got a little bit upset with me because he thought I was writing inmates. But I was like, hell no, I don't I don't know who this person is. I don't I'm not communicating with any inmates online or anything. So it's been a while and I try to block some of this out, I guess, out of my head. But what I recall, he was writing to me and he wanted to be my pen pal. And I guess I was about 16 or 17 at the time. And he said he had committed some crimes, but he had changed. He became a born again Christian. And he mentioned that he liked rock music and country music and that he was looking for a pen pal. So... <laughs> My dad went to the computer, and this is pre-Wikipedia, but we were able to find some information on Rex Warren Mays, also known as, uh-oh, the clown, a death row inmate. So 
A little backstory from what I found on Uh-Oh! The Clown. On July 20th, 1992, he was fired from his job as an Exxon contractor. And he claimed that on his way home to tell his wife that he had lost his job, he had actually parked down the street from his home and then went to his next-door neighbor's house and just walked right inside. There he saw two little girls, age 7 and 10, and he told them, hey, turn down your radio, and the girls refused. So he went to the kitchen, grabbed a knife, and just started stabbing them. And he claimed that his motivation was just that he lost his job and he was upset. But the police do believe that there was a sexual motivation, that he was a child molester, and he had also cut out the girl's eyes, which some psychologists have said that this could be a sign that he was a serial killer, that he might have had previous crimes, or that he might actually turn into a serial killer later on. So after murdering the girls, he returned next door, and then he told his wife that he was fired, and then he took a shower to wipe off the blood, the wife didn't notice, and he just sat in his lawn chair drinking soda, and he just observed as one of the girl's little brothers discovered the body next door, came out screaming, the police show up, and he just watched all this chaos. Uh, the police questioned him, and he claimed that a black man and a Hispanic man were in the area near the home. So the police started you know, looking at that lead, and until they became clear that he was actually lying. But it took 19 months for them to complete their investigation and actually arrest him. And he actually confessed to the crime. But during that time, of those 19 months, he was still going to children's parties and performing as Uh-Oh! The Clown. So he was convicted of first-degree murder. He was sentenced to death and executed on September 24th, 2002. So I was a bit freaked out to receive this letter. My dad took it and actually set it on fire. And to this day, I don't know how he found me or why. The only thing I could think of is that I had a GeoCities uh, website, and I didn't have anything on there relating to inmates or wanting a pen pal or anything. Um, I had like music reviews or like my favorite music or whatever is, you know, pre MySpace and had like book reviews, if I remember correctly. And I later learned that some inmates actually pass around contact information of children to each other. And that's really disgusting to think about that he might have found me somehow. And there's a lot more to this online. Just like it's so disturbing that it, you probably don't actually want to hear about it, uh, what he did to those uh, those little girls. So anyway, that's my story. True creeps. Hope you enjoyed it. How utterly horrific. First off, his crimes. Terrible. Yeah. I also feel like, uh oh, the clown just screams murder. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm interested in a time period before like clowns are a good idea. But uh oh, the clown just sounds like it's going to be like an uh oh time, you know? Yeah. And his dad, like, burning the letter. I was like, hell yeah. Here. I could even see if he put the letter in a five-gallon paint can, drove it out to the desert, and threw it into the desert. Because, like, I would have been having a visceral reaction to that letter. Well, and when you think of killer clown, right, you always seem to think about John Wayne Gacy first. Did you know there were other killer clowns out there? I knew about the hoax, but I didn't really think about there being more actual. You know, not for Sherzies, but I just assumed. And also, I need you to know, when I hear clown killer, I actually don't think of Gacy. No? Do you think of like the weird clowns around the city years ago? No, there's a horror movie about a clown costume and whoever puts it on can't take it off. 
like it fuses to their skin and then they become a clown killer. So like that's the movie that I think of. Interesting one, though, for sure. Well, Johnny also sent us a link to the Clark prosecutor that has more information about Maze. Mm -hmm. And I read it the night he had sent the recording. But I just want to read one little thing. There's uh, an about me. I think he was actually looking for pen pals, like obviously, right? Like he said. Mm hmm. Well, there's all the information on how to write him here. And at the bottom, he includes his interests, his hobbies, his likes, his dislikes. And if you are interested in building this kind of friendship slash relationship, please do not hesitate to write. Hope to hear from you soon. So cordial. I hate it. I wonder how many people he wrote to. You know, like how many kids did he get the address and send some creepy weird message? What I think is interesting is just like the idea that I guess that like he could write a kid, but also like I know that they monitor incoming and outgoing mail, but like I doubt they're like doing background checks on the recipients. So like, I guess it makes sense. But like, fuck that guy, right? Terrible and awful. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. And I, I do believe that our prison system should be a place of like rehabilitation where you can serve your time and like come out. But I'm sorry if you're removing the eyes from little girls. I just don't think you can be rehabilitated. I just don't know. No. It's a no from me. And he did get the death penalty. So we don't have to worry about him. But that was one of the, I don't know, most unsettling stories. Just knowing that he was able to obtain yes an address and actually reach out where he didn't reach out first. So thank you again, Johnny, for sending in the recording. That one did just absolutely creep us out. Yeah, I hate it. But I do love that we have been doing this for a year together. And I do love our listener stories and our bat bonfire. And I'm incredibly appreciative of everybody who listens and supports the show. It, it means the world to us. I feel the exact same way. It's been so much fun. I love all of our episodes. I love researching it. It's just the crazy things that I didn't really expect to have to research. Yeah. That I've researched this year. Yeah. Well, and like, <laughs> I, I think some of my favorite things to research are questions that I get along the way. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm like reading something. I'm like, well, then I have to understand how like smells work in old places. Yeah. So because like, why would you be smelling a noxious chemical smell if there's no chemical leak? <laughs> if you know, you know. My Google search history is probably on some weird radar. Oh, bizarre. It has to be. It absolutely has to be. Well, we have the episodes to back it up, though. You know, when we were <laughs> we were researching Leonardo Cianciulli, and if you don't remember her, or you haven't listened back that far, it's a good episode. It's about a woman who's a soap maker and a murderer. She makes people into tea cakes, feeds them to her son. What are tea cakes? Oh, my God. I looked for tea cakes and couldn't find any that would deliver to you because I was going to buy you tea cakes. I learned that I should listen to Amanda because she's a better baker. But when we were looking things up, we were like, what is this ingredient? What is that ingredient? And they were like all things that you would use to like destroy a body. And I'm like, we're on some list now. Like if we hadn't been before, we're definitely on one now because we're, we're Googling individual ingredients that make a bad thing. And I feel like Internet safeguards are like, that's what they're looking for. They're like, like, these girls are suspect. Suspect. But yeah. Well, if you have any show ideas or something that you really want us to discuss, feel free to send us an email. We're happy to look into things. If you're loving our show and have been listening, thank you so much. It means the world to us. And for our birthday, the one thing we ask is if you are enjoying the show, take a minute and please leave us a review. You could do so on iTunes or you can do it on Facebook. It takes just a couple minutes, but it helps us out so much. 
So again, thank you for the reviews that we've received. Thank you for the listens. Thank you for the stories, the shares, everything. We wholeheartedly appreciate it. We really do. And with that, have a good weekend. Thanks for creeping with us for a whole year. For a year. (laughs) Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at truecreepspod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod, and on Twitter at truecreeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps. 